discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Can I please be seated? Praise God. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable. Holy. You know, the word holy means uncommon. Now, the opposite of holy is that which is not common. That which is not common. That's the opposite of the word holy, uncommon. The opposite of holy is not sin. It's uncommon. The fact that something is sinless doesn't mean it is holy. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. In those days in the Old Testament, there were items that were used in the tabernacle, like spoons, like basins, even basins were used, flesh hooks. Ordinary kitchen staffs were used in the tabernacle. They were common things. But when they were put on the altar and dedicated to God, they become holy. So they become holy spoons, holy forks, holy basins. Why? Because at that time, it is not for common use again. You cannot use it, use it in your kitchen for yourself again. Now it is for God's use only. It is called holy. When you give your body to God as a living sacrifice, it becomes holy. Because now no one can use that body. You can't even use the body where you want to go. It is solely for God's purposes. That is what is called holy. It is for him alone. Hallelujah. Acceptable. In Leviticus, when I'm going to bring your offering, it must be acceptable. If the offering is blemished, it's not acceptable. In Deuteronomy, if the offering, if one eye is plugged out, if it is lame or blind, it's not acceptable. So God has his own. The offering must satisfy him. That means that when he's using your body, you must do it his way. His way, what satisfies him, is what's acceptable. Praise God. If he says, sit here, build a church here, raise these people, his way is the acceptable way. Praise God. Which is your reasonable service. The word reasonable is logicals. From the word logos. Which means of the word. Literally, is the word, it means of the word. The word reasonable here is of the word. <laughs> of the word. Of the word. Some versions say, which is your spiritual act of worship. Chrysostom says, which is your, which is your spiritual ministry. <laughs> because in ancient times, they, they said that once, some people believe that once your spirit is saved, God has no use for this body again. Matter is evil and all that. And he's telling us that when this body is given for his service, <laughs> it is a reasonable service. The word reasonable is not reasonable in English as we think it's reasonable. It is, it is opposed to the word material or matter. <laughs> that is the word, it is close to the word spiritual. Uh-huh. 
or that which is immaterial. That although you are using your physical body to do something, yet actually it is highly spiritual in the eyes of God. And it is of the word. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, it's your spiritual act of worship. Say, Lord, this body is yours. Look, when you give your body to God, do you know that you never like wearing shoes? Ask Pastor T whether he likes shoes. At the beginning, it's as if it's not coming, but it will start coming. You are not looking for shoes, but the one who owns the body provides supplies for the body. Everything is a gift. Even he himself, his life is a gift. Everything is a gift. <laughs> it's so true. You have to follow him. Everything is a gift. And I know the pastors are also experiencing the same grace. You will not lack anything. Health for the body. When you are feeling pain, claim your right. Lord, what is happening to this body of yours? <laughs> I, I thought you are a responsible father. No, don't, don't be afraid to say that. I thought you are a responsible father. <laughs> God loves those things. God loves challenges. Look at Abraham. When they stood and they were watching Sodom, he was interceding. You know what he said? When God said he was going to destroy Sodom, he said, shall the judge of all the earth not do right? And we are in a better covenant established upon better promises. <laughs> now, he loves such dialogue. Look at the Syrophoenician woman. She said, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus wasn't, wasn't minding her. The approach was wrong. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus, Jesus replied, it is not meant to take the bread of the children and give it to dogs. Because she used the wrong wording. Thou son of David. As the son of David, he came exclusively, exclusively for the Jew. The son of David is only for Jews. So that is why he said, that, that's why he said, how can I take the bread of the children, that's the Jews, and give it to dogs? The dogs are the Gentiles. And she was a Gentile. Then she still followed and she was smart. He said, true, oh Lord. She changed the, his name from the son of David to Lord. Because Lord means owner, the one who owns everyone. <laughs> Jesus was so impressed. Such, he had not seen such great faith. Jesus called her faith great faith. Only two people had great faith in his time. And she had great faith. And remember, Jesus was still following. Jesus didn't mind her, and she was still following. He loves such challenges. She, like Howard Cater, I, I spoke. Howard Cater laid hands on someone, the person didn't get healed. He walked to the corner of the room and said, Where, where is what you, you said? I'll lay hands on the sick and they recover. What you, this is what you said. Where, where is it manifesting? Where? He just challenged God in the corner. You said about why it's not happening. You, and in the heat of anger, came back and laid hands and the person rose up. <laughs> Just challenge God. Two months ago, my uncle was in the hospital and they called me that she, she's, he's, he's dying. He will not survive. Then I remembered that many years ago, I had a dream and God was requiring his soul from me, actually. Asking me because then I remembered. I had gone to send the gospel to him. He had received Christ, but he was still a drunkard. Because, I mean, no one had followed him up and all that. 
So when I heard he was going to die, I just walked to the room and I said, Lord, <laughs> you want to hear what I said? <laughs> I said, Lord, I'll not permit you to take him away. I don't allow it. Because he's just born again, so I could carry him by my faith. And he's also a relative. There are principles of faith. Lord, I forbid it. Don't take him away. I prevent it. Don't do it. It's not because I'm a special Christian, no. It's because I know my right. <laughs> so, so when I went with Pastor Michael, we went, we went to Cape Coast and they were telling me that they really told us what happened. Not knowing that, hmm, he died actually. So they told my, my auntie that, oh, come in the morning and we'll just write everything for you. You know, we'll put everything together for you. We'll give you the reason for his death, his death, his death and everything. So he just, he just, she just went away. So he was just there. He was actually gone, but they didn't even want to say it. So the next morning, when the nurses got to the hospital, the nurses themselves, and they saw him sitting on his bed, and the nurses started screaming in the hospital. Hey! The nurses started screaming. Not knowing they knew he was dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Because once you speak it, once you speak it, God is so faithful. We just have to know how faithful he is. We just have to know how faithful he is. It works. I had to buy something for someone. And I needed some money to complete it. One and a half month ago. And it was time. Hey, I went to the room. I said, I demand for my heavenly account. <laughs> there are times the faith is not there to say that. But that they had faith that day, that faith was there. <laughs> so I just left it. Within two hours, my phone was even off. When I owned my phone, the exact amount had come from a foreign country. To settle the whole thing. Hallelujah. So God is good. Hallelujah. You know the, the elder brother of the prodigal son? The father had given him everything. But he was seven to just get one kid. But the father said, all that I have is yours. The father didn't mind him. He was, the father wanted him to use it as much as he wanted. But he was not. <laughs> he was not. <laughs> you understand. So what it means is that he, to, to God, he has given you everything. You should know you're right. Lord, I gave him my body on the 11th of November as a living sacrifice. And now that I'm walking and this, Lord, I know you are a responsible father. But what, what is happening? Demand your right. Hallelujah. Truly, he assumes the full responsibility for your body. He does it. He will supply everything. He will supply. He's a faithful God. Are you here with me? But you see, you know how to present it. It says, present your body as a living sacrifice. You can place it down. Paul, Paul didn't say, surrender your body. He never said, huh. now the word present here, has to do with joyful presentation. 
He never said surrender your body as a living sacrifice. Let me give an example. You go to your wife. Your wife's birthday. You get a nice parcel. And you stand before your wife and say, Honey, honey, you kneel down. I want to surrender this gift to you. <laughs> now, what would she think? Surrender. Because the word surrender has in it a kind of reluctancy or hesitancy. Uh-huh. Surrender, pa. Your wife will be, ah. <laughs> but when with smiles, honey, oh, I present this gift from my heart for you. And that's exactly what she would do. <laughs> Your response. <laughs> and she'll embrace you. Now, that is the word for present here. You see, there are many people, when we talk about giving yourself as a living sacrifice, they come to the altar. <laughs> you are weeping last. You don't know whether God will send you to Afghanistan or God will send you to... People weep. They weep and weep and weep because they are responding to the ministry. You know why they are weeping? Almost like they are pitied. Almost like they are going to lose their lives. And the thing is not nice. And they weep. Oh, they weep. Oh. It's lack of revelation. When you are appointed to become the governor, a parliamentarian, or a minister of a state, is it how you weep? Is it how you cry? When you are appointed as an ambassador, will you cry like that? You will embrace it with joy. How much more the service of the king of kings? I've been in many meetings where, I mean, the core council people to give themselves to ministry, and I've been in meetings where people are crying. Crying as if their lives had, had ended. I stand up and said, no, this is not it. Crying. In, in, in the years past, when people are called to full-time ministry, almost like, they are, like their lives have ended. <laughs> full-time ministry. Oh, How will I eat? How will I do this? It's like God is going to kill you. <laughs> Ask Pastor T when he came to full time ministry against when he didn't come to full time ministry. You cannot call, the difference is like heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. <laughs> when Prophet Adam was uh, working in the Ministry of Health, <laughs> by the time he, when he began the full time ministry, Within six, in six months, his tithe was more than his salary. Yes, his tithe was more than his salary. So it's not like, oh God. It's because we lack certain light, certain understanding, certain revelations. We lack it. That's why we cry, we cry. And, and, and let me tell you something, something that happened. The first lady I ever proposed to. <laughs> I'll never forget. I mastered all the courage in the world. All the courage in the world. When I was going, I called my friend. Dr. Biney. And he said, if it works, we are going to sing this song. The day is bright. It's bright. 
remember <laughs> so he was hiding somewhere and I said when it works I will lift up my hands <laughs> and we all start singing from where we are until we meet <laughs> So I went to meet this lady. We're friends then. I proposed to her. Listen. Ah, that's the most important thing. What next? <laughs> After I proposed, oh, the woman started, the lady started crying. <laughs> Thirty minutes, she was still crying. That thing became prayer. Hey. Prayed that, prayed that for five hours. After that, she began, she began crying again. Oh! In tears, she said, Okay, I accept it. I was going, I wasn't happy. Now, I wasn't happy. I know that when people see proposals, that's the most joyful time. So she was walking, weeping. Lord. So it was almost like, Lord, this guy, but for the sake of your work and the ministry, not that I like him, but what will we do? You know? <laughs> Just, The relationship lived for three months. Three months. Yeah. One day, she came and held my trial and said, You are too slim, I can't marry you. <laughs> She's too slim. <laughs> Slim brothers, there is hope for you. <laughs> so, sisters, that brother may be very slim by just a matter of time. <laughs> Do you know how your pastor was? We have some, some hidden pictures. Maybe if pastor had proposed to you 10 years ago, Maybe you would have said no. <laughs> you would have said no. Today you can say never. <laughs> yeah, it happens. So what happened was that I wasn't happy. She was crying. How will you feel if you were in my shoes? Just to say yes. Almost she was surrendering her life to me. 
<laughs> but that's what we are doing to Jesus. That's what we are doing to him. He's calling us and we are crying, oh Lord. He's not wicked to forget your need. Your worry, your doubt, your unbelief, your faithlessness is what is bringing the problem. That's why you are not seeing the financial supplies and you are not seeing all your need met. The doubt, the unbelief, the worries, the anxieties is, is what is causing it. Not him, because he's faithful. Do you think he's less faithful than, than the government of Ghana? <laughs> when you become a minister or a parliamentarian? <laughs> Hallelujah. But this is a generation we have so much light. We know that giving our bodies as living sacrifice is a privilege. It's, a, it's an honor. So when we are caught, we will run. Wow. She's going to own it, own it and take full responsibility for it. What a blessing. What a blessing. To serve the Lord. To bless it. <laughs> Now, D.M. Panton, an old apostle, many years ago in England, tells a story. In those days, during the slave trade, he tells a story that there was this slave girl who was being sold among two slave masters. And in those days, when a slave is being sold, it's by, it's by auction sales. So the highest bidder will win. So these two slave masters were doing the, they were doing the sales. All the while they were doing it, the girl was crying. Because she knew that the two masters were all cruel and wicked. If she fell into the hands of any of them, she knew she was dead. While they were just doing all the sales, a wealthy man just walked in, who was wealthier than all of them, and said she was going to buy her. And her, his bidding was higher than all the rest. So he bought her. The girl was happy. But the man went to the market, slave market with his own blacksmith. When he bought her, he commanded, he told the blacksmith to break her chains asunder. And she, he told the girl, I didn't buy you to own you. I bought you to set you free. Wow. Now, <laughs> you know, the girl was so happy she couldn't, she couldn't believe it. The girl ran away singing, jumping, dancing. As he was going, he stopped. She stopped and turned back. So surprised at the love that had been shown her, she ran back to that master and said, Say, I know you didn't buy me to enslave me, but for the love you've shown me, I give myself back to you. This time, as a love slave, because you love me, I give myself to you. That's what God wants us to do. Listen, your body already is owned by God. It's for him because ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your spirit and in your body, which are God's. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, your, your, your body is his legally. He legally owns your body. The authority is his. But when he purchased your body, he didn't purchase you to enslave you. He left you to go. Though it is his right, he wants you to choose on the basis of love to bring it back to him. You understand? Like the slave girl, God is not demanding things from you. He wants you to offer it back willingly out of love. Say, Lord, this is yours. You've, set, you've given me the will to choose whether I'll serve you or not. He has given us the will. He has set us free, redeemed us, but he doesn't compel us to serve him. But you return and go back to him and say, Lord, I'll give it back to you. 
That is the difference between a bond slave and a love slave. Now you become a love slave because of love. Hallelujah. How many of you will give everything to him? You know what it implies? That means that you are going to become very, very much blessed. Too blessed. Too blessed. Hallelujah. Now let's, let's, let's see the next verse, what it says. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Now, when you give your body to, to God, you have to do you have to do something quickly about your mind, your way of thinking. Other than that, you still go back. Because of, because of the cultures of the world and the way of thinking of the world, if you don't line up your thinking to God's thinking, you go back from what you have done. You go back. That ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. That ye may prove The word proof is dokimazo. It's like custom offices at the airport. When goods are coming to the country, they decide which goods should come in and which goods should not be allowed. Yeah. I remember when I returned from China or somewhere, or Dubai, they, they, they called me aside that I should open my bag. They wanted to check everything. So the custom officers were checking my staffs to see whether they were allowed some of the things inside or not. That's the word for proof. So you are the customs officer of your own life. When your mind is renewed, you, you will prove what you should accept into your thinking and what you should reject. There are certain thoughts you should just reject them. And some you should embrace them. Whenever you open up God's word, you know what happens? You exchange your thoughts with God's thoughts. <laughs> he says, my... Ways are not your ways. Neither are my thoughts your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Then he says, As the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but water the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bad, that it may give bread to the eater and seed to the sower. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my, mind, of my, my mouth. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Now he began speaking about his thought. And he says, so shall my word be. He communicates his thoughts through his word. You find God's thoughts in his word. The more you give yourself to the word, the more you begin to, wow. You exchange your way of defeated humanistic thinking with God's high thoughts. You exchange your thinking with his thinking. As you walk in life, you walk as a victor. As you walk in life, you know, sometimes you have, you're walking in inferiority complex, you are pitied. When you're doing the work of God, you're even afraid to go absolute for God because of what people are seeing you and how a whole lot of, lot of things, how people are viewing you and all that because your mind is not renewed. There are people who can't even hold the Bible publicly because they are ashamed and they are afraid. They are ashamed. Why? The mind is not renewed. Now, when you read, Ephesians 4.24, the Bible says, and put on the new man. Let's read Ephesians 4.24, so you can see the difference. 
and that he put on a new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. Never forget, Ephesians 4.24 says that a new man is created. Say it is created. In righteousness and true holiness. But look at um, Colossians 3 verse 10. Colossians 3 verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. <laughs> Can you imagine? Now, in Ephesians, the Bible says the new man is created. In Colossians, the Bible says the new man is renewed. That's a contradiction. Renewed means the thing is old and it has become, it has become new. But created means it's never existed. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you following? Yeah. But actually, the new man in Ephesians is different from the new man in Colossians. There are two different Greek words for it. Now, in Ephesians, the new man here is the kainos man. The man who has never existed. <laughs> Fresh and new. Kainos man. But in Colossians, he is the neon man. N-E-O-N. The neon. <laughs> it's like saying the young man. Now, in Ephesians, the new man refers to is created. The spirit that is reborn is created according to God's righteousness and the holiness of the truth. That is the very, the essences, the very essence, the essential nature by which the new man is created. But in Colossians, he says that it is renewed. But that new man is not that, that new man that's never existed. In Colossians, the word is neon. It is renewed. The new man in Colossians here, he's not talking about just your spirit, but he's talking about your spirit and your soul as the one inner man, the inward man. Your spirit joined with your soul. Understand that the soul is part of the spirit. When someone dies, it's not that his spirit goes here, his soul's his soul goes here and the body is lying down. No, once someone dies, his spirit and his soul are, are one. They are one. And that one entity leaves the body. Actually, the soul belongs to the spirit. When God breathed into Adam, in Genesis 2-7, the breath of life, literally the spirits of life, that is man's spirit. The clay, the clay structure was there, lifeless, and God breathed he, his, he was breathing man's spirit into his body. And the Bible says he breathed the breath, not in Hebrew, the spirit of life. The word life is plural in the Hebrew. The spirit of double lives. <laughs> so when the spirit touched the, anima- the, the, the clay, it animated it and the soul was formed. Wow. Y- you understand? Yeah. So the soul belongs to the spirit. The spirit is it's of God, it's born again, the life. But the soul is not. So the soul must be renewed, though it is joined to the spirit. That's why we have Colossians. Back to Colossians. There's a reason why I'm saying all of this. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, the Greek says that. Put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge Onto the acknowledgement of its creator. To acknowledge its it creator. Now this is it. When we, when we talk about the soul, we are talking about the mind. Listen, the mind is very rebellious. The mind is independent. 
The mind has a will on its own. The mind, you can be saved in your spirit, but the mind doesn't want to subject it to the lordship of Jesus Christ. For instance, pastor will be talking about finances. Giving to God. Then your mind says, oh, what about giving to God? Every day giving, every day giving, every day giving. Why? Why? Now, the mind will now begin to speak <laughs> every day giving. The mind was onto the acknowledgement. The mind has not acknowledged the lordship of Jesus yet. The mind is independent, is self-willed. So the mind doesn't want to acknowledge the lordship of the Lord in everything. So my finances, no, 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 no. No, no, I'll not give as it is. Why? Did I? Did I? <laughs> you understand? The man can tell you so many things. Ah, am I the one who killed Jesus? <laughs> Why should I go and give everything to, to? You know, the mind. Even your relationship. Why should I tell Pastor? Why should I even pray? You know, the, the mind doesn't want to submit to authority, submit to Christ's authority. So that's why the mind ought to be renewed. Onto the acknowledgement. The man must acknowledge the lordship of the one that created him. So when the man is renewed, I'm telling you. Well, Pastor, that's why sometimes we'll be in the church. Pastor will talk about serving God, winning souls, serving in the church. Someone will say, some people will say, like, go like, ah, listen, we are tired though. Why? Why? Every day cry, why? The mind is not yet renewed. It is not acknowledging the creator or the lordship of the one that created it. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. All right, all right. So you have to do something with your mind. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, I think I've preached enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right let me preach for the next six hours <laughs> if there was Uticos in this room you know Uticos Paul preached for a long, long hours the guy fell down and died while Paul was preaching, he was dozing. <laughs> he was dozing. Then he, he was sitting at the window side and he fell off. He wasn't listening. Now, you know why? Uticos means good fortune. Uticos means good fortune. The church today has lost its good fortune because the church is not listening to Paul. Do you understand? Yeah. Because the church is not listening to Paul. So the church has lost its good fortune. Uticus means good fortune. He was sitting at the window. You know, the window means that you are half in the world, half in the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. And Paul was preaching in the, the Bible said upper room, the third loft. Yeah, because the Paul and the epistles got direct from the third heavens. And the Bible says there were many lights there. Many lights. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so, some people go like, oh, 
with the one the words Jesus spoke. It's powerful. But the words of Paul are the words of the ascended Christ. Yeah. It was not his words, the words of the ascended Christ. The gospel are the words of the incarnate Christ. Hallelujah. Let's go back to our priesthood. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> now with the priesthood, now understand this. The priest gives sacrifices. If we're a priest, now we know we are all priests. If we're a priest, every day, you know your work, you are dealing with the problems of people. You are the tabernacle, someone will bring his guilt offering. Another will bring his sin offering. Trespass offering, peace offering, with your problems you have to offer for them. So it's all about the problems of the people. But there's a secret there. Do you know that? What was the food for the priest? What they brought, the priest was giving the meat. And that's what they lived for their nourishment. So literally, without the problems of the people, they are not nourished. Their nourishment is in the problems they were handling. So the more the problems the people bring to you, the more your nourishment. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) That's it. More problems. So you you go like, Lord, increase my anointing. God now begins to bring problems. Problems everywhere. People are calling you and they start giving up. But the Lord said, but you called for the anointing. You called for the nourishment. Your food is in the problems of the people. Hallelujah. Now, when the sacrifices were brought, God directed what the priest should feed on. They had to feed on the breast of the beast. The breast of the beast. Amazing. The breast of the beast. The beast symbolizes Christ as our offering, but in the Bible, breast speaks of his love. His love. His love. His affection. His love. So the priest must feed on his love. Feed. Now, it wasn't just raw. The breast had to be roasted. <laughs> you are hearing strange things today. The breast had to be roasted. So we are talking about some years ago, we went somewhere in Tadi and went to a certain hotel. Where it was a very low-class hotel. We sat down and we ordered for food. They put the food in front of us. We could see the goats or the sheep and we could see hair standing in the, on the heads. So we called the waiter and we asked, what is this? She said, oh, it's the breast of the sheep. Yeah. Say, hey, uh, the breast of the of the sheep. Hey. Uh, the, the priesthood is not like that, too. <laughs> so it was roasted, and roast the breast being roasted speaks of his love that was re- revealed to us in his sufferings. His sufferings, his love. So we feed on it. The more you feed on his love, the more you begin to love. 
understand this. When Jesus was rose from the dead, he asked Peter. He was restoring Peter in ministry. He had already met Peter one to one and restored his conscience. Now he was restoring, bringing him publicly in ministry. Because Paul said he appeared to save us before meeting the rest of the disciples. Though we can't find that in the Gospels. So he said, he asked Peter, lovest thou me? The answer was what? Feed my lambs. The second time, do you love me? Feed my sheep. The third time, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You know what Jesus, Jesus was saying? He was asking, do you love me? Jesus literally was saying, if you claim you love me, the best way to demonstrate your love for me is by shepherding the people. The best way to prove your love for me is by feeding the people with the word. That's what he said. Do you love me? Okay, feed my sheep. That's a proof of your love for me. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me again? Feed my sheep. So, literally he's saying, the best way to demonstrate your love for me is to feed my people. Brethren, we are all priests. You have to feed others. Feed. Feed. In Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 7. Look at Song of Songs 1, verse 7. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth. Song of Songs is a discourse between a man and a woman. Solomon and a girl he found on the street. <laughs> You know that yeah, he, des- he descended his throne of glory and went to, l- to look for a commoner called the Shulamite and brought her back. And it's a type of Christ descending the sapphire seal of heaven's glory, the port- portals of glory, and coming to this earth to look for a, a commoner, his bride. Yeah. Solomon is masculine. The feminine for Solomon is the, is the word Shulamite. Just as the church is a feminine of Christ. So the whole song of songs is, is, is a love song that is also typological. It speaks of us. And now the woman is asking the church or you are asking Christ. You understand? Tell me, oh thou whom my soul lovest. Now the woman is speaking. Where you feed, where thou feedest, where do you make your flock to rest at noon? For why should, this, should I be as one that is turned aside by the flocks of your companions? So she's asking for two things. I want to show me where to find food and where to find rest. Show me. So the lady or the believer is asking Christ. And let's see the, the answer in verse 8. If thou know not, O thou fairest among women. Now, now Christ is calling her the fairest among women. If thou know not. Sometimes we don't even know who we are. We are so fair. Among the human race, we are the best. We are the choicest. In Christ, we are so fair, so beautiful. Know who you are in Christ. God sees us just as he sees Christ. His preciousness is on us. If thou know not, O thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock. Now he's answering him how she wants, sometimes we want to be nourished. We feel like we wish we can know more of the word. We can know more of God. We want to grow. That's what she's asking. Then this was the Lord's answer. First, the Lord pointed her to her identity. And the Lord said, okay, trace the footsteps of the flock. Look at where the flocks have been moving. The footsteps of the flock is the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the church. And what did he say? 
Go forth by way, thy way by the first steps of the flock and feed thy kids by the shepherd's tent. Can you imagine? I'm asking you where I can find food. Your answer is that where I can find food is when I start feeding the young ones. He's asking, where do I get food? The answer was, <laughs> go to the church and have a tent for yourself. Be a care leader. Have the people you are raising and feed them. As you are feeding them, that is how you will find food and rest. Wow. Hallelujah. Everyone here should have a shepherd tent. In a shepherd tent. That means you have, your sick, you have a group of people, you are a care leader, you are risen. Convert, you are, you, you, you are buildings. If the more you do that, the more you are fed. It's a spiritual principle. The more you do that, the more you are fed. How many of you want to contact the healing anointing? It's simple. Ezekiel 34, 1 to 5. Now, God gives an eternal prescription and requirement for his shepherds. Now, he, he gives the responsibility for shepherds for all time. And I go to verse 4. Verse 4. The diseased, now he's not speaking to the shepherds. The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick. Neither have ye bound up that which was broken. Now, the moment you become a care leader at any level, God holds you responsible for those in your, in your group who are sick. Now, he's saying that <laughs> the disease have you not strengthened. Now, now, God is holding you responsible for not healing those who are sick. What does it mean? It means once you assume the place of shepherding or caring for people, you assume the authority to heal the sick. How can he require something from you without not giving you the authority to do it? <laughs> you know how to manifest the healing anointing? Just start shepherding people, feeding people. And you know how to do it. If you think it will not work, take this verse and say, Lord, by this verse, you are holding me accountable for healing the sick. And go to the home of the one who is sick. So, Lord, <laughs> based on the authority you gave me on this verse, in the name of Jesus, I command this sickness to depart from your body. If it doesn't happen, God has some things to answer you. Hallelujah. Take God by his word. It's simple. Take God by his word. Glory to God. And you should bring, there are some people there, eh? and when you have your shepherd tent, a people you are raising, whether it is a cell or Keep bringing them. There are some people, they are very, they are some sinners, sin, sinners, they are very deceptive. Sometimes I say they have received the Lord, but they have not really done that. Some actually encounter Christ not the first time they come to church. Some of them, the fourth time. It will surprise you. Do you know when Peter acknowledged Jesus' Lordship? When he met Jesus the fourth time, not the first time. You know, when Peter met Jesus the, the first time, Andrew took Jesus, uh, Peter to Jesus. That was the first. The second time, Jesus met him and even prophesied that he, he, he is Simon, but he'll be called Peter. <laughs> he prophesied a change of his name. The third time Peter encountered Jesus, Peter went to his home and his mother-in-law was sick. He healed the mother-in-law and it, the, noise, it not, the healing was noise abroad and he healed all of them. Yet Peter's heart was still not opened. 
He never acknowledged Jesus' lordship. It was a fourth time when Peter was fishing and all night he had not caught, caught any fish. That was his business. He was a full-time business guy because he had business partners. Bible said he called his partners. And when Jesus used his boat to preach the word, Jesus says, cast the net at the right hand. He caught a, a net breaking, <laughs> a boat sinking load of fish. There, the first time he said, depart from me, Lord. That was the first time he spoke that he's Lord. The first time he called Jesus Lord. For I am a sinner. He admits who he is, his state. That's the first time he acknowledged his lordship. And when he saw him, all that he gained, he laid it aside and followed him. The healing of his mother-in-law never moved him. There are some people, when they come to church, healing doesn't move them. What will move them, perhaps, is when their businesses are touched. Now, according to a historical background, Peter was in death. Heavily in, in death. So, and they have been, the fish, the Galilee, they have been fishing and there was no fish. So, when the Lord touched his business, ha-ha, his heart was opened. Say, oh, you are Lord. There are some people, all the preaching, they will not respond. But when you touch their business, then they are alive. Yeah, there are some people, when you touch their, you heal them, then they come alive. So, there are different things that touch different people. That is why we need, we need a full gospel. How did Jesus, he repented at the miracle when his business exploded? When he got caught the fish and he saw the miracle. Remember the goodness of the Lord leaded us to repentance. He saw how good God is. He acknowledged his lordship and said he was a sinner. <laughs> Praise God. You keep bringing them to church because they may be touched at the fifth time. Others are touched the first time. Others are touched the second time. But keep bringing them. And we are winning the lost. And we are perfecting people for the Lord. This is our joy. When you do this work in sincerity, your joy is pure. But when you are, you are pleasing others, your joy is not pure. Because when you are pleasing others, very soon you, be, you, be, you, be, you become insecure. Insecurity set in. Comparison set in. You shift your eyes from the Lord. You may, you may even think the work is all about us. Your joy is diminished. But when your joy is pure, sincere, no matter where, where they, place, they place you, you are you okay? You are, but that's how it should be. That's when your focus is on him, on the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I want us to pray to offer our bodies living as a living sacrifice to God. You want to offer it. I'm not saying if you want to cry, don't cry because of what I've said. There are some tears that comes out of joy. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. When tears are coming, don't say, hey, don't clean it quickly. Because tears are also liquid prayers. Tears are liquid prayers. Whenever you, you weep, in a, 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 you weep, angels come and collect the tear in a bottle. And they go to heaven and put the tear in a book. It's, it's in Psalm 56, verse 8. Those who have never wept, the books in heaven are empty. <laughs> David said, Thou tellest all my wanderings. Put thou my tear into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Tears are powerful. Tears are the unutterable gushings of the heart. What your mouth cannot say, your tear can say it. 
Now, are you ready to, 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 to not to surrender, but to present joyfully? Lord, from today you own my body. I joyfully present this body for your service. Lord, I lose my right. I repudiate my right, my claim to this body. For what I will do, where I will go, even what I will eat, even what I will wear, now you are the new owner. You bought this body, but officially, I legally transfer ownership into your hands. And Lord, own it and take responsibility for it. From today, sickness and lack is gone from me. Let up your voice and present joyfully. <laughs> he may wake you up at 2 a.m. to pray because you don't own your body. He may wake you up at 1 a.m. to pray. He may wake you up at dawn to study the word. Because it is now his. It is now his. He determines it. He leads it. He rules it. He has the authority over it. He has full rights over your body. He has full rights over your body. What you will do, where you will go, he has full rights. Present it from your heart heartily, joyfully, joyfully. And he is taking full responsibility. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. If you are sick in any part of your body, touch it and raise the other hand. Touch it and raise the other hand. And say, Lord, today, my body is now yours. You own it. Therefore, you have full responsibility for it. Dear Lord, healing and health for this body and strength and provision is now your responsibility. As I've laid it on the altar, assume your responsibility. Therefore, now in the name of Jesus, I receive my healing now. In the name of Jesus, mention that sickness and declare it that, that it is gone. Say, in the name of Jesus, I bind the sickness and I declare that I am healed to the glory of God. Now begin to thank God for having healed you. Now begin to glorify God. Thank, thank you for the healing. Thank you for the healing. Thank you for the healing. 
And as you are thanking God, begin to do whatever you could not do. Begin to do whatever you could not do with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving and praise. Do what you could not do. Come on, come on. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. <laughs> begin to dance, begin to rejoice. Do whatever you could not do. Do whatever you could not do. Everyone is healed. Lift up your hands and love it. Glory to the Son of God. Oh. Now put your hands down. How many of you have sensed made a change in your body? You sense it. You sense it. You sense it. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Now come forward. Come forward. Come forward. Lift up your hands and come forward. Just come forward. Come forward. Come forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, your word is perfected. Now, Jesus Christ has made you whole, and you are all refreshed to the glory of God. Can you? I want some people to just say, just speak, just in five seconds. About some people, just in five seconds. Um, as I was sitting down, I was having menstrual cramps, really painful. I don't feel it anymore. So I, I was okay. I was, after everything, then we give God the glory. So I was feeling a lot of pain in my back and in my abdomen. But it, as we prayed, I, I can I can feel the pain. I had pains, like heat in my head and pain on my shoulder. I was feeling too much pain as the program started. So I had an accident in January and I had a dislocated shoulder. Please come again. I had a, I had an accident in January. So my this shoulder was dislocated, so I couldn't raise it up high. But after the prayer, I'm able to raise it high. Hallelujah. All right. I had an accident in September, uh, 13th September, and it affected my back and my neck. But as I prayed and I thank God, I don't feel the neck pain. So, as the pain since yesterday, but then after praying. I said I was in so much pain since yesterday, but then after praying. Hallelujah. You see, there are so many things that has happened which you can't even see. Terminal stops. God is faithful. It's gone. Worship him and bless his holy name. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.